Dear Father in heaven, thank you for giving us another privilege to fellowship with you as, as you have always done in giving us life when we sleep and we wake up. We are grateful once again to you. Dear Lord, we do not want to miss being in your kingdom. Therefore, we come to you at this moment asking that as we go through the words of our devotion, you once again give us edification, strength, and help us, Lord, to be built up into the most holy faith that we may have the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want every sin to be removed from our lives, and we want to have that firm character that the graces of the Holy Spirit shall be in us, and that we may be equipped to glorify your name more and more on this earth. Bless us with your word, Lord, and put your words in my mouth, and grant us graciously of your spirit. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. September 5 Daniel, God's Ambassador Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Daniel chapter 6 verse 4 Daniel, the prime minister of the greatest of earthly kingdoms, was at the same time a prophet of God, receiving the light of heavenly inspiration. A man of like passions as ourselves, the pen of inspiration describes him as without fault. His business transactions, when subjected to the closest scrutiny of his enemies, were found to be without one flaw. He was an example of what every businessman may become when his heart is converted and consecrated and when his motives are right in the sight of God. Unwavering in his allegiance to God, unyielding in his mastery of self, Daniel, by his noble dignity and unswerving integrity, while yet a young man, won the favor and tender love of the hidden officer in whose charge he had been placed. He rose speedily to the position of Prime Minister of the Kingdom of Babylon. Through the reign of successive monarchs, the downfall of the nation, and the establishment of another world empire, such were his wisdom and statesmanship. So perfect his tact, his courtesy, his genuine goodness of heart, his fidelity to principle, that even his enemies were forced to the confession that they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful. Honored by men with the responsibilities of state and with the secrets of kingdoms bearing universal sway, Daniel was honored by God as his ambassador and was given many revelations of the mysteries of ages to come. 
his wonderful prophecies as recorded by him in chapters 7 to 12 of the book bearing his name were not fully understood even by the prophet himself but before his life labors closed he was given the blessed assurance that at the end of the days in the closing period of this world's history he would again be permitted to stand in his lot and place we may like daniel and his fellows live for that which is true and noble and enduring and learning in this life the principles of the kingdom of our lord and savior we may be prepared at his coming to enter with him into its possession amen The title of our devotion for today is Daniel, God's Ambassador. In the book of Daniel 1 verse 20 and 21, we read about Daniel and how he reigned for a long time. It says, And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them, that's Daniel and his brothers, ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. Daniel had received this vision concerning the next kingdom that would reign after Babylon, and that kingdom is the Medo-Persian Empire. In Daniel chapter 5, it shows us, it ushers us into another experience in the final days of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, having been humbled by God, accepted the message that God was giving to him and he repented of his sins and he commanded the people of Israel, I won't say commanded, but at least gave them the testimony of the true God of heaven and spoke to them concerning him to follow after that God. And he himself lived in obedience to God as far as we can see. Now he died and those to whom he left his kingdom to did not continue in his footsteps. Some kings reigned after him, I think about two kings, before it got to this, his child, Belshazzar, most likely his great-grandchild. Belshazzar organized a feast. Nebuchadnezzar, even in his pride, never did what Belshazzar did. Remember that Hezekiah had given the Babylonians a wrong impression of what his God is, and he made them believe that it was his gold and his silver and all his treasures that was the idol he worshipped and that was what gave him the victory over the Assyrians and also the God that made the, uh, the shadow to go back 15 degrees. The Babylonians took those treasures and kept them in, that is Nebuchadnezzar actually, kept it in the house of his gods. He reverenced it. He did not treat them lightly and all his days God did not treat him wrongly for that. He was not like the Philistines who went to keep the ark of God to be before his own God as though the, uh, their own God had conquered God. But no, Nebuchadnezzar actually reverenced the God of the people of Judah in the sense that he took those treasures and kept them in a place where he felt it was being reverenced. But his son did differently. He took these things and was using it for a party. During that party, something was revealed to him that he didn't know about. When a, a hand came and wrote on the wall something that he didn't understand and his knees were knocking because he was afraid, 
the queen came and spoke to him in Daniel 5 verse 10. It says, Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house, and the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar thy father, the king, I say, thy father, made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called and he will show the interpretation. Amen. My focus is on the words of this queen. She, she saw Daniel as one in whom the spirits of the gods dwelt, and she said there was nothing that was hid from his eyes. Daniel, the ambassador of God indeed. What does an ambassador do? The work of an ambassador is to do things in the interest of the nation which they represent. And not just that, to be a proper representation, a living example of what his nation is. An ambassador will live by the laws of his nation. Daniel was no ambassador to Babylon. He was an ambassador of God. If he was an ambassador of Babylon, he would live by the rules of Babylon. He will worship their gods and he will eat their food. But because he came from somewhere else, he represented another god. That is why he didn't live by the rules of Babylon. He was a blessing to Nebuchadnezzar all the days of Nebuchadnezzar's life. It was, as though Daniel, it was as though Nebuchadnezzar had an angel sent from heaven to be with him in his kingdom, confirming the kingdom for him all the days that he lived. That was what Daniel did to him. He was like someone sent from heaven and that's why he called him a man who had an excellent spirit, who had the spirits of the gods dwelling in him. Let us go to that word now, an excellent spirit. In the days of Nebuchadnezzar and all the kings of Babylon, this man was found to be one that was called a man with an excellent spirit. Daniel told the interpretation of what was written on the wall to, his, to Belteshazzar, the son of Nebuchadnezzar, and the kingdom fell to the Medo-Persians because what was written there was a judgment for, for Babylon that the kingdom was going to the Medo-Persians. Now, when the Medo-Persian empire came, who would Daniel represent now? How would he live? Was he going to be killed? Oh no. Daniel 6 from verse 1 to 3 says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Amen. Here, two men prophesied by Isaiah met one another, Cyrus and Daniel. Cyrus was mentioned by name by Isaiah. Although Daniel was not mentioned by name, um, but Daniel was referred to when Isaiah said to Hezekiah that his children, his sons that issue from him, which he will give birth to, shall be taken away and shall be made eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. 
the sons being referred to here was these four boys daniel shadrach meshach and abednego these two men were now together cyrus and daniel and both servants could recognize themselves as servants of god nebuchadnezzar took some time to recognize this fact but how is it that daniel was able to transit from one government to another while retaining the position of prime minister this is very strange to say the least it is because daniel though he was a prime minister was detached from the political political movements of babylon he preserved himself as an ambassador and a servant of god and it was apparent and obvious to everyone that this man is not just representing babylon but he's representing god in all his dealings he was detached from any kind of nationalism and uh, political affairs in such a way to speak as though he was speaking in behalf of a nation he was always speaking as the oracles of god he was not determined to consolidate his position in a kingdom that was against god this is exactly how it was for jeremiah jeremiah was a priest and a prophet in the jewish kingdom but yet he did not refrain from prophesying against his own people and speaking the truth that babylon was going to destroy jerusalem the people didn't like him for this and they persecuted him but as a prophet of god he spoke the truth and did not support evil Daniel did not support the evil of Babylon but fearlessly spoke to the king concerning his doom and by doing this he was known by the next king. He was recognized as one who had the spirit of the gods dwelling in him, who had an excellent spirit both by the Babylonians and by the, by the Medo-Persians. They knew that were it not to be for his influence in Babylon, even Nebuchadnezzar could have been long destroyed. Cyrus recognized this. But the life of Daniel cuts across two spheres of life, the spiritual and the secular. To think that this man, who was a great prophet of God, was also a prime minister who was set above all the affairs of both the Babylonian kingdom and the Medo-Persian kingdom. It is no small thing to be a prophet of God, for this qualification is very high, far higher than that of the prime minister. Being a prime minister may require high standards, but not so all the time. Being a prophet is the most sacred of office. It always requires a high standard. And it's not just any man who can hold that position. But Daniel had these two positions, prime minister and prophet. This man had angels appearing before him frequently like no other man has experienced. Before the Middle Persian Empire conquered Babylon, he had three divine revelations and twice he had seen angels of God like no other man had seen. In the book of Daniel 7, reading from verse 15 and 16, it says, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body. This was because of a vision that he had received. He says, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by. Who is this? Who is this? It's an angel of God. And asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made known the interpretation of the things. This was the first time Daniel wrote about having a direct encounter, speaking to an angel. Now again in Daniel chapter 8 verse 1 it says in the third year of the king of the reign of the king belshazzar a vision appeared unto me even unto me daniel after that which appeared unto me at the first and i saw in a vision and it came to pass when i saw that i was at shushan in the palace which is in the province of elam and i saw in a vision and i was by the river of ulai 
Now, what did he see? Of course, we've seen this before, the vision of the ram and the goat. But when the time came to interpret, we'll see Daniel encountering angels again. Daniel 8 verse 15 says, And it came to pass, when I, even I, Daniel, had seen the vision and sought for the meaning, then behold, there stood before me as the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Ulai, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was afraid and fell upon my face. But he said unto me, Understand, O son of man, for at the time of the end shall be the vision. Now as he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep on my face towards the ground, but he touched me and set me upright. Amen. This is the second time that Daniel is encountering an angel and this time it is the angel that stands in the presence of the Most High God, Gabriel. During the reign of the Medo-Persian Empire, he received even greater revelations of things to come through divine agencies. Daniel chapter 9, he was praying concerning the state of his people. And while praying, in verse 20, he says, I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord, my God, for the holy mountain of God. Yeah, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. Again, Daniel has an encounter with an angel. How many times have we ever heard of a man having this kind of encounter with angels? But that's not all. Daniel 10 verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belshazzar, and the thing was true. But the time appointed was long. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. In verse 5, it says, Then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of euphas. His body also was like the burial, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. Verse 7 now, he says, And I, Daniel, saw alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. And behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken these words unto me, I stood trembling. And in verse 16 now, look at who he meets. He says, And behold, one like the similitude of the sons of men touched my lips, that I opened my mouth and spake and said unto him that stood before me, O my Lord, by the vision my sorrows are turned upon me, and I have retained no strength. I'll stop here. Here is this man, a chosen vessel of the Lord. He conversed with God he conversed with angels, but on this earth he was known as the prime minister, the head of the empire of the Medo-Persians and also before of the Babylonians. Amen. This man, Daniel, God spoke to him like he was his friend. Angels gave him skill and understanding, but yet he was a prime minister of two of the greatest world of the world's empires. This world of the world empires is what has ever known and will ever know. 
What lesson does this afford us? It teaches us of the capabilities and work of those who are to be representatives, ambassadors of God in these last days. As Daniel, a child of God, was in Babylon, so also God's children are in the world. Daniel was in Babylon but not living by its principles, so also we are to be in the world but not of the world. Daniel decidedly and unapologetically separated himself from every Babylonian practice and the Lord honored him for this. He didn't compromise to keep his job. The fact that Belshazzar didn't even know of him suggests that he was probably someone that was already neglected in those days. Why? Maybe because he didn't live by the principles that Belshazzar would have wanted and that's why the queen had to call for him and Belshazzar who was the king did not even know about him. But he was still the Lord's ambassador to Babylon and to Medo-Persia. As an ambassador, he spoke of the interests and principles of another kingdom, the kingdom of God which he represented. This should also be our attitude wherever we are. But how is this done? Reading from Christ Object Lessons, page 349, paragraph 3 and downward, it says, Religion and business are not two separate things. They are one. Bible religion is to be interwoven with all we do or say. Divine and human agencies are to combine in temporal as well as in spiritual achievements. They are to be united in all human pursuits in mechanical and agricultural labors, in mercantile and scientific enterprises. There must be cooperation in everything embraced in Christian activity. God has proclaimed the principles on which alone this cooperation is, is possible. His glory must be the motive of all who are laborers together with him. All our work is to be done from love of God and in accordance with his will. It is just as essential to do the will of God when erecting a building as when taking part in a religious service. And if the workers have brought the right principles into their own character making, then in the erection of every building, they will grow in grace and knowledge. But God will not accept the greatest talents or the most splendid service unless self is laid upon the altar, a living, consuming sacrifice. The root must be holy, else there can be no fruit acceptable to God. End of quote. Amen. Daniel was one found to have an excellent spirit, and like we have seen, in all things as they were scrutinizing his life, they were trying to find fault, they could find no fault in him. Do you know what that means? I mean, we are talking about a world whose scrutiny, when they want to bring you down, they are worse than even the law of God. Do you know what I mean? The world can find fault in you where God finds no fault. For someone of the world to say they find no fault in Daniel. Do you understand the high standard by which this man lived? Just look at, for example, the politics played in different nations. I'll just use the US for example. These people can find a fault in you in something that is not a fault. They could make a sinner and a monster out of you if they want to. They can do anything. I remember the man cl called Clarence Thomas, who is one of the Supreme Court justices today. When he was nominated to be a Supreme Court justice, hmm, these men sat down, Joe Biden being one of the head of them, trying to scrutinize this man's life to find a fault to ensure that he's not made a Supreme Court justice. He did all they could, searched here and there, until they finally got somebody to say something that was indicting against him a, a sexual thing that although 
couldn't be proven, but at least they tried to do something. In their minds too, they could find no fault in Clarence Thomas. They couldn't find any. This is the kind of life that we ought to live, and I pray the Lord helps us to live it. If they check his account, there is no account of Daniel stealing anybody's money. If they check him by the laws of medicine Persia, there was none they could find against him that will say, oh, he went against the law that the nation has made. Therefore, we find a fault in him. And they check his business, no fault whatsoever. Then check his moral life, no fault whatsoever. Telling lies, no way. How about using derogatory words? No way. How about uh, sexual sin? Nothing like that. They could find no fault. You see, when the devil wants to accuse, that's why in heaven he's called the accuser of the brethren. He will create a fault where there is none. And for them to say there was no fault in Daniel, oh my, this is the kind of life that we are to live. Revelation chapter 14, reading from verse 1, talks about those who will be in the earth in the last days when the Lord Jesus will come. They are described in verse 4, 5, 6, verse 4 and 5. They are described as this, it says, In their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Amen. Daniel was an ambassador for God in his days. We are to be ambassadors today. Daniel is a type of what we are to be. There was no fault in Daniel. Revelation 14 verse 4 and 5 says concerning the people who are going to be representing God in these last days, that in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Many people think that it is impossible to live a life that is faultless. It is impossible to live a life that is sinless. Behold Daniel. Behold Daniel today. The Lord says about him he had an excellent spirit not one record is written against daniel that says that this man did this evil or that evil and even in the bar of men which is wicked god's own judgment is fair but when satan wants to accuse forget it he's going to find something to say against you but these satanic men when they scrutinize daniel's life they could say we find no fault in him I pray that we all can come to this situation and be truly God's ambassadors. Christ's Object Lessons, page 350, paragraph 4 and 5 says, The Lord made Daniel and Joseph shrewd managers. He could work through them because they did not live to please their own inclination but to please God. The case of Daniel has a lesson for us. It reveals the fact that a businessman is not necessarily a sharp policy man. He can be instructed by God at every step. Daniel, while Prime Minister of the Kingdom of Babylon, was a prophet of God, receiving the light of heavenly inspiration. Worldly ambitious statesmen are represented in the word of God as the grass that groweth up as the flower, and as the flower of the grass that faded. Yet the Lord desires to have in his service intelligent men, men qualified for various lines of work. There is need of businessmen who will weave the grand principles of truth into all their transactions and their talents should be perfected by most thorough study and training. If men in any line of work need to improve the opportunities to become wise and efficient, it is those who are using their ability in building up the kingdom of God in our world. Of Daniel, we learn that in all his business transactions, when subjected to the closest scrutiny, not one fault or error could be found. He was a sample 
of what every businessman may be. His history shows what may be accomplished by one who consecrates the strength of brain and bone and muscle of heart and life to the service of God. End of quote. Amen. Not everyone will be a prime minister like Daniel, but all who are followers of Christ are to be his ambassadors, revealing to the world heavenly interests and principles and messages from our kingdom in heaven, in our homes, offices and businesses, in the government houses, we are to be Christ's ambassadors, representing him on this earth. Second Corinthians 5 verse 20 tells us the work of ambassadors. It says, Now then, we as ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Amen. Manuscript Releases, Volume 20, page 43, paragraph 6 says, The faithful ambassador of Christ is not ashamed of the banner of truth. He does not cease from proclaiming the truth, however unpopular it may be. In all places, in season, out of season, he heralds the glad tidings of salvation. Missionaries for God are called to face danger, endure privations, and suffer reproach for the truth's sake. Yet, amid dangers, hardships, and reproach, they are still to hold the banner aloft. End of quote. Amen. Now, what we have just read tells us what the work that we have is wherever we go. In your shop, in your office, in the government house, in your business, you are to weave in the principles of God into that business that no one could come there and say we find fault in you. Now, when we say we find fault in you, not necessarily by the laws of men, but by the laws of God. Eventually, like we've seen in subsequent devotion, the people made a law to find fault in Daniel and they did find fault in him. But God did not find fault in him. They found fault in him based on the law of God. May it be for all of us who are listening and for myself that if the world ever finds fault in us, let it be that they found fault in us because we were obeying the word of God. If the world, the trade unions, your school, your office, if they must find fault in you, I pray that it will be that they find fault in you because you were obeying the word of God. There are some people who are in their offices today, but nobody finds fault in them. You know why? They are very diplomatic. How are they diplomatic? In the sense that they compromise principles when it comes to the time to stand for the truth. And they retain their jobs by compromise. And people will say, we find no fault in him. But the faithful child of God like Daniel, they may find fault in him, but only in matters that has to do with his God. Let us be those businessmen who will do our business in such a way that no one will find fault in us. This is what we must be in these last days. Daniel was like that. And it is possible. With God, all things are possible. Don't say in your heart, it is not possible to live a perfect life. Why would Jesus say, be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, if he doesn't have the power to do that for us? Second Peter chapter 1, reading from verse 2, says his divine power has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness 
if divinity has given us the power then why can't we do it if we cannot do it is because we are not cooperating with god but if we cooperate with god all things are possible to them that believe even the perfection of character even to live a faultless life does not the bible prophesy that there are going to be some people in the book of revelation 14 verse 4 and 5 that these are they that they were not defiled that they had no guile in their mouth and there was found no fault in them are they not human beings that it is written about if such a promise is there why don't you grasp it why don't you take advantage of the fact that in these days god says that, that there's going to be a people who it will be said of that in their mouth was found no guile for they are without fault before the throne of god they are described as those not who are trying to but who actually are keeping the commandments of god why because they have the faith of jesus let us have that faith of jesus above all things those who are really truly supposed to stand out to the whole world as the ambassadors of god are those who are handling sacred things who take the name upon themselves pastors of sets of churches ministers of god you are to not just shout on people to regard you as ambassadors but you are to actually be ambassadors of god and people are to treat them in that way anyone who is a christian is to be like that we are told that we are ambassadors reconciling the world back to god and i pray that we shall take advantage of the promise written in god's word to be among those who it will be said of have no guile because they are faultless before the throne of god let us pray thank you dear father for giving us this inspiration from the life of daniel we believe that it is possible as long as you live that we can be like daniel without fault and the promise is there for us and we've read it lord please use us as instruments by which your will will be done and by which glory will come to your name take off the defects in our character heal us and shape us into your image i pray in everything we do in our business in our offices while we work anywhere help us lord to live in the principles of heaven and to make no compromise that we may have that excellent spirit and that it may be said of us that in heaven there is no fault found against us thank you lord for hearing our prayers and answering in jesus name i've prayed amen